Angeles, Robin Sherrod. Grace and peace be unto you and welcome to Empower Living with Evangelist Robin Sherrod. I am so glad that you have decided to join us today because here at Empowered Living, we add value to your life as we point you to Jesus Christ. Our mandate here at Empowered Living is that we focus on the benefits and not the barriers of life. We focus on the benefits and not the barriers of life. Our foundation is the word of the Lord. We want you to strengthen that horizontal relationship that you and I have with the word of the Lord so that in turn, it will empower that vertical relationship that you and I have with our Father, which is up in heaven, seated at the right hand of God, making intercession for you and I. Hey, as always, I am so thankful that you have chosen to take this moment to either listen or to either view this particular sermon, this message, you know, this inspirational, whatever you want to call it, however it hits you in your heart, we want you to know that we are thankful for it and we appreciate your support. We are going to go right into the word of the Lord. I pray this word today will bless you as it have blessed me, just even preparing it and sharing it as well. We are going to be talking about when it doesn't make sense. Hmm. When it doesn't make sense. Our foundation scripture is coming from out of Proverbs chapter 3 verses 5 and 6. Very familiar passage of scripture. Proverbs chapter 3 verses 5 through 6. I'm going to read it out of the King James Version of the Bible. And it reads, trust in the Lord with all thy heart. And lean not unto thy own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. Trust in the Lord. <laughs> That's a huge word. With all thy heart. That's with everything you got within you. Down in your know of your knower knows. Okay? And lean not to your own understanding. I know you got some smart people out there. I know we are. you all smart. I understand. I know you got a lot of letters behind your name. I get it. I understand that you don't went and you don't got your degree to the second, to the third, to the fourth degree. But when they come down to the Lord, I'm going to give it to you straight with no chase. Lean not unto your own understanding. And all your ways, acknowledge him. And he will do what? Direct our path. Isaiah 55, chapter, uh, verses 8 and 9. Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9, King James Version. It says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. This is the Lord speaking now, not me. My, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways. Said who? Said the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Isn't that amazing? He said, my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, said the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Because where does God reside? He resides in the heavens. 
He sent his spirit of the Holy Spirit. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, on the earth. So when we talk about, when he says, as the heavens are higher than the earth, there is a certain perspective that we have in this earth realm that we have never touched in the heavenlies. But yet we are created, the Bible says that we are created, God says that we are created in his image. We have all the attributes of the Father resting on the inside of us. It was, we were created with this. And when we accepted Jesus Christ and the spirit of the living God came to ride, rest, rule, and abide in us, it rejuvenated. It brought forth all of those uh, of giftings and, and talents and, and fruit and, and attributes of God. But God is still saying, let me let you know something, smarties. <laughs> My thoughts are higher than your thoughts as the heavens are higher. So are my thoughts. The message Bible says it this way, which I really like. Isaiah 55, eight and nine, message Bible. It says, I don't think the way you think. The way you work isn't the way I work. God's decree. For as the sky soars high above the earth, so the way I work surpasses the way you work. And the way I think, beyond the way you think. Is it not a blessing to know that my mind can be in a state because of everything that I am seeing, experiencing, have experienced, maybe uh, thinking about things from, from, from way back that come to those experiences and it affects my thinking. But the Lord says that my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. That's why sometimes when we are in situations and it doesn't make sense because we are seeing things from one perspective and God is seeing it from the heavenly perspective. He already knows the outcome before we even go in. He already knows the outcome before we even are inbound. He has already got us outbound. Oh my God. Can you believe that? That before we even go inbound, God already has us outbound. Why? Because his thoughts, come on now, are, 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 are higher than our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways when it doesn't make sense is what we're talking about today. May 7th, 2022, Louisville, Kentucky. I want you to go with me. Come on with me in this story. Churchill Downs, the 148th Kentucky Derby. Now, the Kentucky Derby, for those who may not be familiar, this is the first horse race that starts what is known as the Triple Crown. There are three races that all horse, uh, uh, horses or, you know, owners of horses that they try to win. And if they can sweep it, then they've won the Triple Crown. But on May the 7th, 2022, Louisville, Kentucky, we have the Kentucky Derby. And this, this particular year, which is this year, the horse that won was by the name of Rich Strike, R-I-C-H, and then the last word, Strike. 
Now, what's so significant about this particular horse and this particular race is that the horse wasn't even invited into the race until the day before the race. And the only reason the horse was invited into the race was because there was a horse that couldn't, couldn't uh, race at that particular time. And so even more amazing was the odds that this horse had against him. 80 to 1 once he entered into the race. Now, before he entered into the race, he was 99 to 1. <laughs> Come on, somebody. He was 99 to 1. But once he entered the race, he became 80 to 1. 1913 was the last time that a horse with those type of odds ever won the Derby. Now, when the race started, right, everybody's looking at the horses. The horses are moving through. Now, this particular horse was in the back when the race started, all the way in the back. That's where people thought that, that he was supposed to stay, was in the back. But then something began to happen. He began to move up. And he moved up so fast and he passed through the rest of the horses that the crowd was in amazement. There were some that were sitting there with their mouths wide open. There were some that were sitting there and they were, they were cheering and they were glaring on and they were like, yes. There were others that were simply amazed. And this particular horse won the derby. Now afterwards is what was so amazing. Because you see the interviewers, right? They went and they interviewed the uh, jockey. The jockey was, you know, he was like, oh my God, you know, oh, we won. The trainer was so messed up that he couldn't even interview. He, he was just so, you know, like overwhelmed. He couldn't even interview. But then they came to the owner of the, of the, of the horse. And they asked the owner a question. And they said, now, are you amazed just like everyone else? about the fact that this horse won? And you know what the owner said? The owner said, I would never ever enter a horse in a race. I did not think that horse could win. I would never ever enter a horse in a race that I did not think the horse could win. It did not make sense. The odds 80 to 1 once he entered the race. 99 to 1 before he even started in the race. The fact that he got an invitation to go into the race, it did not make sense. But once he got entered into the race, he knew that this was my time. This was my opportunity. And the fact that his owner said, listen, I have so much confidence I have so much assurance that I'm not going to put that horse in a race that I didn't think it was win. I had thought about this and I thought about the message today. Now we're talking about a horse and an owner. That's just an example. But I want to bring in the Lord. Because I began to think about the races that I have been in where the odds were against me. I began to think about the races that people didn't even think I should have myself in. The positions that I should not have had myself in. The opportunities that I should not have had myself. I was 99 to 1. But the owner, which is God, come on somebody. He said, I would never place my son or daughter in a race that I didn't think that they can win. I'm talking to somebody right now. 
There are people that are on the sidelines trying to figure out how did you get that job? It does not make sense. There are people right now that are glaring on the outside of your window, looking out and saying, how did she or he get that house? It does not make sense. There are people that are waiting outside when they saw you come outside the hospital, when you got the odds that you were not going to come out, that you were terminal, and they're trying to figure out what that person is here. It does not make sense. That's when God does his best work. When we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24, this is Paul speaking here. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, 24. He says, do you not know that in a race that all the runners are running? First of all, you don't get in a race, especially if it's a running race and not expecting to do your part to run. He said, do you know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? He says, run in such a way as to take the prize. So when we are in this race called life, we're just not aimlessly running through. We are running with a purpose in mind. We are running to win this race as a believer. He says in um, 1 Corinthians 9, 25, he says, everyone who competes in the games trains with strict discipline. First of all, you just don't go and say, I'm going to run a 26-mile marathon and you hadn't uh, laced up your tennis shoes in like two years. You just don't go out there and do such a thing, okay? And you're 57, 58 years old. That's just not going to work. That's not a good look. And that's just not going to work well for you, all right? So it says everyone who competes in the games trains with strict discipline. Now, if you are 58 and you've been training, and you ready to go out there and run that race, then go ahead on there, uh, young man, young woman. Go ahead and do your thing. He says they do it for a crown that is perishable, right? They do it for a crown that is perishable, the trophy. But we do it for a crown that is imperishable. So as we are running this race of life, and when the detours of life come, when the stalls in life come, when, 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 when the mechanical errors in life come, because they will, the crown, the race that we are running, when our feet has blisters on them and we're in this race, when our ankle get a little twisted sometimes, because we're, we're, we're still in the race. Sometimes we may even have a fracture of a bone, but we're still in this race. He said, now we can compare that to those that run races for crowns that are perishable. But we're running this race for a crown that is imperishable. And 1 Corinthians 9, 26 sums it all up. He says, therefore, I do not run aimlessly. I do not fight like I am beating the air. So I am in this race for purpose. Can you say that with me? I am in this race for purpose. I am in my Christian walk. I am in my Christian race for a purpose and it's for not my own purpose, but it's for the purposes of God to be fulfilled in and through my life. Second Timothy four and seven says, we want all of us to have this testimony. I fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. I have kept the faith. I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I have kept the faith. And running this race, 
in the good times, in the bad times, when I got to run up a hill that I don't want to run up, when I get my able to take my breath and go down the hill, but it's a lot of pounding that's happening when I'm going down that hill, either way it goes, I'm going to finish the race that's set before us. So what happens when life doesn't make sense? Do we stand firm in the faith? Or do we slide downhill fast in the fear when it doesn't make sense? We're in this race called life. And in this race called life, when things do not add up and things do not make sense, do we stay in a place of faith or do we go downhill in fear? What happens when our faith is under fire? What happens when our faith is about to take a fall? What happens to our faith when the situations of life sour? What happens to our faith when what we know was promised seems now only to be pretend? What happens to our faith when it doesn't make sense? Again, do we stand firm in the faith or do we slide fast in fear? And as I build on this foundation, we're going to be talking about faith and fear as it relates to when it doesn't make sense. I believe we all know this in some revelation, but I just desire for us to get a deeper revelation in our faith and when fear comes in. What happens what about when we can't control the outcome? Is faith or fear the first place we go? Now, you've heard of fear, and it's being known as you've heard the acronym. People say fear, false evidence appearing real. But when I was studying this out, I want to give you the revelation the Lord gave me about fear. First of all, let's talk about what kind of fear we're talking about. We're not talking about a referential fear that we have for God. We should all have a referential fear of the Lord. That's why we submit ourselves and we humble ourselves before him. I'm not speaking about the protective fear. There's a protective fear that happens that, you know what, I'm not going to walk out in that street because I know if I do and I'm not within the crosswalk and the green uh, person is on, okay, then I know I may get hit. If I, if I know that there's protective fear, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about fear that comes straight from the adversary. Fear that comes from the adversary that wants to go straight to your throat. I'm talking about that kind of fear. So when we look at the word fear, first of all, it's false. We know that it is not the truth. The enemy is never going to tell you the truth. He's never going to tell you what's right. People ask me all the time, evangelists, how do I know that what, what I'm hearing is from the Lord? And I asked them a series of questions. I said, first of all, does it go, is it in line with the word of the Lord? Is it in line with his will? Because if it's in line with his will, then we know it's according to his word, right? Is it aligned with his word? Is it aligned with his word and his will? Okay, so is it a, first of all, is it aligned with his word? That's number one. Secondly, is what you are wrestling with, um, is it speaking against the character of God? Is it speaking against the attributes of God? Is it showing God in a different way than what we know him to be in the word of the Lord and what we know him to be as he revealed it to us? 
So if the enemy is telling you to do something that's contrary to the attributes of God, then you know that's coming from the enemy. If the voice that you're hearing is telling you to do something that's contrary to the attributes of God, listen to me, then we know that that's straight from the enemy. If we are hearing and listening to something that causes us to uh, feel that we are prideful, to fear that we are the one that's in control of it all, then more than likely that is the enemy speaking to you, okay, or speaking something into, trying to speak something into your spirit. I want you to go back to where Jesus was on the, when he came, um, when he was baptized and how he came out of baptism. And it says he was filled with the spirit of the Lord and he was led into the wilderness where he was tempted by the enemy. I want you to take a, uh, a lesson from that. I want you to know and understand when God fills us with the Holy Spirit and he puts a mandate as he did on Jesus and how as you are walking being led first of all that's another thing are you being led by the Spirit is the Spirit leading you because if the Spirit is leading you then sometimes you're led in this place called this wilderness as Jesus was where he was tempted and that's where the enemy comes in and he's tempting the people of God so that we can turn around from the promises of God if Jesus would have done what what the enemy had wanted him to do he wouldn't even be here to he wouldn't even we wouldn't have a testimony we wouldn't have the opportunity that we have with the lord today so i want you to take that lesson from when jesus was in the wilderness and how um, he was tempted by the enemy, but then the angel came. And each time he was tempted by the enemy, he used the word of the Lord. This is what I want you to use um, when, when the enemy's trying to come and talk to you and, and say things to you, and, and you're trying to question, Lord, is this you or not? I want you to go back to the word of the Lord, just like Jesus did. The enemy came at him from the north, the south, the east, and the west. But each time God, that each time the spirit gave him the word and he gave the word to the enemy. That's what you and I have to do. We have to have that connection with the spirit. We have to have the connection with the word of the Lord. And we have to have a relationship with him. And as we are doing that and walking in this faith, then we know that the things that God is leading us to. Now, when he leads us to it, doesn't always mean that it's going to be, again, rosy as we go through it. Just like he told the disciples, let's go to the other side. That was already mandated. But when they were going to the other side, what happened? They encountered a storm. There are going to be some storms that you're going to be encountering as you go to the other side. And that's when it's when it don't make sense. But you got to continue to go on to the other side. Are you with me? Next is that fear is egotistical. Fear has its own ego. It has its own narrative. It wants all the attention. Anytime God is trying to tell you and I to move forward in something and fear comes in, it wants to take the faith. It wants to snatch the faith right out of you. It wants to put nothing but fear in you. It wants to tell you everything that's not going to happen, everything bad that could happen. Somebody is in that situation right now. It is being egotistical. You are focusing more on the fear than you are on the promises of God and the direction that God is moving you in. And it's also appalling. Fear is offensive to God. It's appalling to God. It is scandalous to God, especially when he's already told you to go forward and move forward. Because the Bible says in 2 Timothy 1 and 7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So fear is appalling to God. And then lastly, fear affects. It's all about the reasoning when it comes down to fear. It's internal 
negative conversation. That's all it is. It's reasoning. It's reasoning your way out of your blessing. Because you're thinking about, again, all the things. Well, Lord, is it really you? God, you know, is this what I'm really supposed to do? Uh, 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 Father, I don't feel that I'm equipped. I want you to go back to Moses. When God called Moses, when he had Moses over at that burning bush, and he called Moses, and Moses had all kinds of excuses. I can't talk. I can't do this. I can't do that. I'm telling you, I've been there myself. I can't do this, Lord. How am I going to get up here in front of all these people and talk about the word of the Lord? He said, it's not about your ability. It's about your availability. And if you have the availability, I'm going to equip you with the ability, which is the power of my Holy Spirit to go forward. So it's about reasoning, and it's about having a counterproductive outcome. So fear, it is false, it is egotistical, it is appalling, and it is reasoning that is not according to the will of the Lord. Proverbs 12 and 15 says, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to counsel. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes. God can have the blessing. For some of you, God got the blessing right there in front of you. But you have reasoned yourself out of it. You have uh, allowed uh, the falsehood of fear to come in, to reason yourself out of moving forward in that new job or moving forward in that new position or stepping out into your own entrepreneur affair or writing that particular book or owning that house or going and getting that car or going to educate yourself because you feel that you're not smart enough or moving forward in ministry that God has called you to do because you feel like you are not equipped enough. Understand something that when God called you, I want you to go back to the word of the Lord. Go back again to Moses if you have to. When he called Moses, he equipped Moses to be able to go forth and do what he called you to do. The word of the Lord said that Jesus, when he died and he ascended up into heaven, he gave gifts unto man. And those gifts that he gave unto man was for us to be able to utilize those gifts in this earth realm, in this now, and in this present. And you and I have a responsibility because if you don't use it, somebody can come and they can abuse it. Come on now. Or somebody come and they can, and then the next thing you know, they're doing what it is that you were supposed to do that God had called you to do. But because you allowed fear to stop you when it did not make sense, when it didn't seem like things were adding up, how in the world did they call me, Lord? Oh my God, what am I going to do? You're going to say yes, and you're going to move forward, and you're going to do what God has called you to do. Can I get an amen from somebody. Thank you, Jesus. Moving in faith doesn't make sense. Moving in faith does not make sense. I want you to remember that. We're going to come back and we're going to finish this up because my time is almost up. So I got to stop right here. But I want you to come back and I want you to hear part two of this because this message is not over. When it doesn't make sense. God, in the name of Jesus, Lord God, you have your listeners that's here today with us. And we thank you, God, for each and every one. They did not stop by on this platform by happenstance or by accident. It is because, Lord God, you're working a great work in their lives. You're perfecting a work in them. And God, they got to move forward in what you've called them to do. But fear has come to stifle their faith.
because there are things that are happening that just doesn't make sense, but we bring them to you. And Father, we lay them at your feet. We lay every excuse at your feet because you don't want to hear any excuses at all. And we take up the standard. We take up the standard of moving forward in faith, the mantle of faith. In Jesus' name, we do pray. Amen. Hey, listen, this is only part one. I want you to come back and hear the conclusion of the matter when it doesn't make sense. God bless you. Thank you for tuning in to today's broadcast. If you'd like to stay connected with Robin Sherrod Deliverance Ministries, visit us at robinsherrod.com.